if you are an estate agent uh, in December 2022 or even a letting agent, the last two years has been a roller coaster with regard to your estate agency department. And the fact is, is that you've had no stock to sell and you've been beating off with sticks. And then the lettings departments, you've got hardly any stock coming on the market, landlords selling up. How are you not only going to survive, but thrive in 2023? Well, today I'm joined by some of the biggest names in the UK estate and letting agency industry to talk about not only how you can survive, but thrive in 2023. I'll just introduce everyone. If you've been living in a cave, you might not know who we are, but uh, who, who's on the call. But today we've got Ed Mead, who is um, ex-boss of one of London's biggest estate agents and now runs his own uh, viewing firm. So he's got interest from both sides. Um, we've got Ben Madden, who is West London's leading estate agent. And again, he sold his a big agency, Thorgirls, a couple of years ago, and now runs a fine country in West London. We've got Ian White, who is basically the estate agent's consultant consultant. He basically advises some of the biggest firms in the southeast and London and also around the UK and even around the world. Uh, we're also joined by Spencer Lawrence, who is uh, considered by many the UK's best letting agent. And he's going to talk to you about how he's growing his letting agency. And finally, we've got a chap called Rich, Richard Megson, who's, who's from ASAP, who is basically responsible for chasing an awful lot of UK estate agency sales. And he's going to add his input to this as well. So let's kick off. Um, let's go to you, Ben. Uh, first is if you had to describe the last two years in a state agency and Spencer will come to you for lettings. How would you describe the last couple of years and how, more importantly, how it's changed in the last few months? So um, I'll try and give a sort of a, an overall view because finding country is sort of top end of the market. And I'm really conscious that I know my little area of the world really well, but to talk about other areas of the world is slightly unfair. I've just done the finding country regional tour. So I've been all eight regions of the UK that we cover and deliver some sort of training and, and coaching to the entire network. And so I've got a real good flavor of what's going on around the country. What I would describe the last two years at, as um, the word I would use is reactive, reactive estate agency. Lots has been coming at us. You know, uh, there's, there's a lot of critics out there, I think, of a stage say they've had it really easy the last few years. Well, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I don't think it's been easy the last two years. I think business has been coming at you. But just because you're working in a reactive fashion doesn't mean you're not working hard. Doesn't mean you're not working all hours under the sun, taking all the calls, dealing with all the disappointed buyers and sellers. So I think it's been reactive. I think post-COVID, depending on where you were in the country, certainly London wasn't anywhere near as buoyant as the more rural areas of the country where... There are stories of a property going to market today, uh, calls going crazy, 40 viewings booked for the weekend, 12 offers by 9am on a Monday morning, property under offer, 10% above asking price by Tuesday at 3pm. That wasn't the London market, not what I've necessarily experienced. As you mentioned earlier, I had Thorgills, which was sort of West London, uh, smallish business estate agency. What we experienced in that business immediately following COVID was we worked in a very apartment heavy, 75% of the town we worked in was apartments. The apartment market really, really slowed down and people were moving out of the country, uh, into the country. Here. And so we had to pivot and find a way to work in different towns that allowed different opportunities. I think around London, it's been more buoyant. We looked at all the data for every postcode we cover over the last week, activity levels for the last five years. And it's definitely been more buoyant the last 
couple of years, sure, but not quite as crazy. I think what we're seeing now is the transition back to sort of more traditional market norms, a bit more in terms of seasonality, a little bit more work required around lead generation, around what I would call sort of historic traditional great estate agency work, where you justify your fee by driving value, delivering something different, delivering something better, not just yeah, okay, I'll list it. My six-year-old could sell a house by the sound of things a year ago in some areas of the country just by picking up the phone and booking a viewing. So now there's there's some real quality work required, which um, mm. I think is a really, really good thing. Oh, the last two years, great, wonderful, been through it. But now we're entering a period where skill and expertise is going to really bring some value to the table, I think. Okay, let's go over to Spencer. You are considered by many one of the best letting agents uh, in in the UK, um, I know you, that you, you'll you'll brush that that compliment aside. Being the humble man you are, but talk to me about the letting the lettings market. I mean, if you actually look, the number of stock in the UK, invaluable stock coming on the market, just dropped off the face of the earth. Talk to us. Last couple of years, for us, um, similar to Ben, we're Northwest London based. We do cover London based on you know three simple rules in terms of the type of owner property and fee scenario we'll engage with so we will travel that far based on those three boxes being ticked and actually what's happened in it's been a great opportunity to reconnect the owner with the resident so that's landlord and tenant and what's actually happened you know during the pandemic and what have you lots of people owners were super concerned about the residents and i think there's been a, a much more of a togetherness but certainly from our perspective between the owner and the resident and you know if you look at it as a triangle the agent sits in the middle you've got the owner the resident and the property the product and actually we can positively influence the product as an agent if we're doing our job well that means from the owner's perspective we're looking after their asset over time and we can positively influence the space that the resident's living in. So what's happened in the last two years is we've just become more analytic, more data-driven, and more aware of the relationship and actually this hierarchical thing between landlord and tenant, hate those words, um, has, you know, has, has been pushed aside. And actually, if you don't have a really good resident as an owner, you haven't got you haven't got a lot if that's what you want if that if you're if you're a buy to let investor so i think that sort of connection piece emotionally connecting the owner back with the product so they're investing in that property well data tells us that most residents are unhappy because they can't influence their space positively well our owners are allowing that to happen guess what's happening the residents are staying for longer expenditures going down and actually the suite spot for all relationships is the longer you know someone the better it becomes people talk about prospecting Ooh, all the agents run out of the room if you say to people hey we're just going to do a re relationship building session and you just think about the language and what you're trying to get out of it and if it is just a connection piece they'll remember you, remember you when they need you next so I, I, ju I just think it's been a wonderful opportunity to bring everything together and the agent, rather than it being a conveyor belt, the, the agent becomes the artist around the three topics, property, owner, resident. Okay, Ed, you, I mean, you used to be boss man of Douglas and Gordon uh, in London, you know, massive London estate agent. Does what uh, Spencer talks about, by the sounds of it, Spencer, you call, 
if you had to distill what you've just said, we're going more into a relationship type of estate agency as opposed to a transactional. Is, is that it? If you had to, uh, it's the only way. As far as I'm concerned. Oh, hold on a second. The UK state agents won't cope with that. Ed, what have you got to say? Well, I was just going to say, I wish, can, can we please send a copy of this recording to MHCLG and sub it under Michael Goh's nose? Because the whole point of, of extending tenancies and forming relationships is exactly how this should work. It's how the rental market should work. And the trouble is, it, 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 as Spencer also related there or mentioned, this whole hierarchical thing of landlord and tenants becomes so disjointed and and misrepresented you know the vast majority of landlords really love their properties and want to look after them and they want to look after their tenants and because you get a few bad apples and the trouble is you say that in the newspapers or you say it to to, to journalists and they just don't believe you because estate agents have such a bad name they just have and like spencer was saying like um pardon me we were just talking about earlier that six-year-olds can sell properties but again that's rubbish six-year-old might be able to sell a property but will they be able to get the most for it i mean you know estate agents have an important role whatever is going on um coming back to the main point about how things can change um i think it's been sad as as someone with a toe in both prop tech and estate agency i don't think the last two years have been terribly helpful from a tech perspective because uh, as as has been referred to this was very much what, what ben said it's been very much a um reactive market people have had to react to what's going on so they haven't had a chance to look at what's going on around them and the fact of the matter is that the the consumers in this game be they tenants who are slightly younger or sellers in our case in 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 the sales case are getting more tech savvy they're getting more communication um uh they're getting more demanding is the straightforward answer and I think that the last two years has not given a state agency in general a chance to react to these changes. So I think there is going to be a certain amount of requirement to look at how agents communicate with their landlords and with their sellers uh, and indeed buyers and tenants, obviously, on the other side. Um, but the basic tenant of this is the same as it always is at D&G. We used to love it when the market got difficult because we used to our market share used to soar because we were good agents and people came to good agents when they when things were difficult. So um, at, at a very basic level, whatever you're doing, do it well and and people will come. Interestingly, Ian White, he, he is a consultant for an awful lot of you know, decent 10, 20, 30 branch network estate agents and some smaller ones as well. And Ian, you've been saying to me uh, privately that, that you, some of the firms that you work for in this challenging market in the last three or four months, their market share has actually been growing really well. What are your thoughts on that? And why? More importantly, why? Uh, well, I think very simply, we're moving from a market uh, on the sales side where it's been very much service led. You're dealing with what's coming at you. And now now you're having to create rather than just just deal with. And, and the agents that are building market shares are changing their behaviours to adapt to that change. They, they, they are changing their strategies and the way, you know, the things they do in each hour of the day from just simply being overloaded with what's coming at them to now having to strategize an outbound process, whether that be marketing, whether it be physically getting on the phone. I love, I can't, I can't, I'm gonna to have to watch this take back, but Spencer used a great word, not prospecting something. I'm never gonna use the word prospecting ever again, but um, from being- Relationship you know, building. Relationship building, but, but in terms of being outbound, um, that's all that's happening is, is that the agents with good leadership, because you've got a whole workforce that have become trained over two or three years to just serve what comes at them. 
Um, some of them might not have been in the industry any longer. And, and therefore, now that the game has changed a little bit, we're still selling and letting properties, but the actual physical things you have to do to make that happen, we have been in a market where, let's focus on sales because that's my, my background, it's been easy to sell a property, but the workload has been really high. It's been coming at us. Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's selling the property might not be quite so easy, and the workload is about outbound. Um, if you don't understand that the workload has changed from inbound to outbound, then you are going to struggle to make a difference. And in order to make that change, you need to make sure you've got the right processes, you've got the right people, the right training, the right suppliers to work with to make sure that you can handle the outbound, that you can your best people can go and connect and build relationships with sellers, landlords, buyers, tenants, people who need mortgage advice. Um, if you sit and wait for the phone to ring, good luck, ring me, I'll sell your business tomorrow because you're going to need to sell it pretty quick. Okay, so let's just look at that. So in essence, what, what we've said so far is, is that it might be less coming through the door, but if you look after what you've got, you're going to be more successful and bring more people in. And as, and as Spencer says, tenants are staying longer, which actually means more relationships are going to be built which means that can only be good for the landlord-tenant relationship with the agent in the middle. Is that what you were saying, Spencer? Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, the agent has the eye on the product, the property, because obviously that, that's the win-win. Okay. And then on the sales point of view, for the last couple of years, everything's been coming at them in the funnel and we've basically been dealing with what's in it and then hopefully it coming out the other end. But now there's going to be less coming in at the front. So we, we need to be better at bringing, if there's a smaller pie at the top of the, of the funnel, we need to get a bigger slice of the pie. And then what we also need to do is once it's actually in the system, we need to get it through. I mean, interesting, we've got Richard here from ASAP, who is a sales progressor. Um, Richard, I don't want to turn this into an advert, but what I have learned is this, is that the average length of time it takes is 19 weeks from sale agreed to 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 um to exchange and completion i mean that is truly disgusting um but what i have found is, is it's not just your firm because other firms out there do do sales chasing a good sales progression can get a sales down from 19 weeks down to 12 weeks why are why do estate agents more care about it comes back to what spencer was saying the transaction it's almost let's get the bloody thing sold and if it exchanges our oh, well it don't really matter why are agents are really shit at that's a technical term sales progression uh, well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. that, that, that I'm, say, I'm not... saying it. I'm saying it. Well, I, I deal with agents day in, day out. So um, I always bang the drum about sales progression, whether you outsource it or whether you do it in-house. But I've always said it, and I really believe, especially over the last two years, it, it, it's a specialised role. Um, but, I mean, those agents that don't should. Um, but I think uh, the last two years is, is sort of, catapulted outsourcing uh, full stop. I think more and more agents are, are thinking about working with specialists who may actually do the job better, certainly in terms of sales progression. Uh, the, the, the last two years have fluctuated massively. They've been really hard to call. Um, but the dynamics, as Ian said, are changing. The last sort of 12 months have all been about pipeline sticking. The last two months is definite evidence, certainly from what we're seeing that those pipelines are releasing. So it's probably more about looking at fluctuating sales and fixed costs um, and whether outsourcing is, is a better solution that allows you to point all your resource at new instructions, which let's be honest, over the next six months are gonna be absolutely key. But to come back to your point, um, I think more and more agents are looking at sales progression 
um, as a dedicated resource. Clearly, more are outsourcing, but I think I think it's it's a part of the job that lots of agents don't like to do. Uh, but some agents, you know, a principal of a small business or negs, it's it's a role that some people pick up, and I think those that do it poorly, it's not because they can't do it, it's because they don't dedicate all their time to do it. So other things take priorities and things drop. Let's just let's just talk to the two agents here. And again, um, do you either outsource or do you have dedicated people to do sales progression? And I'll go to Spencer first. I know you're on the Letty's department, but you do have a sales arm to your business. My understanding is that that is in-house. But is it in? But is it in terms of is there dedicated people to do sales? Yes. It's just yes. not it's not Barbara the Neg who just does it at the back when she's got five minutes. No, no, no. There's there's an individual and that's their role. Yeah, it's ring fence. Okay, let's go to Ben in West London. Uh, yeah, we've got Alice. She is 27 days away from 10 years with us. She is our in-house sales progressor. She is trained within an inch of her life, but she's like a dog with a bone. She's got the perfect attitude to be a sales progressor. Um, we also like in-house because it it keeps, it allows all of the team to keep their finger in the pulse of what's happening in their deals. What we found, we tried different methods over the last 10 years, is that um, to Rich's point, I think most <clears throat> salespeople will move towards the thing they enjoy doing, and that's the salesy stuff, the rock star stuff. Um, and they forget that, you know, putting a property under offer is is maybe the first 20% of the journey. You know, the real work begins when the property goes under offer. And so finding people with a natural skill set to be charismatic, charming, organized, diligent, and be the full service agency. You know, I, I don't know, I don't want to speak too generally, but we don't interact with that many that I would say would be excellent at all of these things is the truth. So by bringing it in-house, by having Alice as our absolute expert in this area, everyone in the team, is aware of what's going on in all of their deals constantly because at some point these people are going to progress they're going to be in charge of a business they have got to get an exceptional background knowledge in deal management even if they're not looking after them themselves and so that that sort of that helps with that area for us it's interesting i've just interviewed another sales progressor i'm sorry richard there are other sales progressing for outsourced sales progressors out there and one of the videos we did is, is that and this is going to be quite controversial she reckons that the best sales progressors are, are women and just whilst we just talk about that because again i'm going to get shot at this people are going to say why are there not women on this call well i can guarantee you there were two ladies booked in and due to personal reasons they both had to pull out at the last minute which is uh, a shame so if uh, please don't shoot me don't shoot the messenger let's go to ian white here ian um what is the power of outsourcing in in a state agency and letting agency to allow a state agents to actually do the job that they're actually they're good at uh, I, I, well, I think I think there's there's a number of facets to outsourcing. The first thing is what's the business argument? Is there a, is there a business argument for or against? Um, if you're talking specifically about sales progression, uh, and it's done, you know, if, if the transaction is quicker, and the customer service responses are better, and you have lower fixed costs, which you do if you outsource, you don't have the contractual things, and you've got one less person to manage and one less space to accommodate or manage remotely, depending on how your sales progression goes. Uh, I struggle to find a business argument to keep in-house sales progression now, particularly if it's grouped. Uh, I definitely think it's a specialised role either way. So which, which, however you're going to handle sales progression, you need someone who that is their sole focus. Their job is to take the transaction from uh, 
getting it under because I think as Ben said quite 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 uh, correctly salespeople will run from the difficult tasks they want to do the glamorous stuff they want to do the listings the sales the the pie charges well they, they just want to do you know they want to do they want to do whatever it is they want to do um they do yeah just look at logically the, and it could be outsourcing anything you know just look at the business the business logic does look, it look at look at what ed does i mean you can you can outsource you can actually i mean peter knight did a, an article about 18 months ago you can outsource everything almost to the point of apart from doing the valet itself i'm sure you could outsource that as well but you know you can outsource viewings you could out, i mean let's just let's just go to 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 ben and spencer and in the last couple of years and you don't have to mention names if you don't want to because we don't want to turn this into a sales fest or an advertorial but what aspects of your business have you outsourced to allow your team to be better at what they do let's go to spencer first so uh, i guess we've started with the end in mind and again, it's like, you know, the, the platforms you engage with, you need to look at your own business model. I think agents tend to look at the, their magpies, look at the, what they've got down the road. We need that uh, to plug that gap. And all it is is a pawn on pawn move in a chess game. The reality is you need to make sure that the platforms you are using are going to solve a problem either internally or externally or ideally both. That That's the sweet spot. So we want to make sure that the consumer doesn't feel like they're in a pinball machine. So you can add all these things on and it works beautifully internally for the team because we don't need to do that stuff anymore, but the consumer is buffeted through this journey. So actually you just got to make sure that the platforms that you use talk to each other, or there is a natural flow in the workflow from the consumer's perspective. So yeah, absolutely, we use various different uh, platforms, but then there is always a human on the end of the phone or at the end of a you know WhatsApp or whatever, so that if there is a challenge and something isn't working, there's a question that needs to be answered in real time. We're there. Okay. I think the blend is important. So what you're saying is you you want your prop tech solutions or your stage suppliers to talk to each other seamlessly without multiple logons. And and also, estate agency bosses don't just buy stuff for buying stuff's sake. If your team aren't going to actually use it and integrate it into your business, let's go to West London with Ben. So yeah, I mean, we again, we're <clears throat> the the finding country model is a slightly different, <clears throat> excuse me, model to sort of mass market estate agency. We're a much lower volume, so it's I would argue it's probably easier for us to keep a lot of our stuff in house. We're not dealing with quite so much volume, quite so much activity. And so we can, in a really nice way, be very, very strict around diary management, getting what we done when we want done in the right way. Where So it, you know, th this piece is not necessarily great feedback for everyone, but things that we outsource are the things that they fall into two categories. Either we really don't like them or we're really not good at them. Because if we don't like doing them or we're not good at them, they're not going to be as good as they possibly could be. So um, specialist skills, we're not good videographers so we outsource the videography element of what we do in a lot of instances um, and certainly the video editing um, copywriting I you know we can write some some basic copy and we can put letters together but actually if it's chunky if it's meaty if it needs to be really high quality and we need to appeal to our target consumer actually my written English is not strong enough so we outsource so we look for gaps in our skill set and um, I heard somebody else say, write down everything you do every day and the three things that you, dis you know, that find themselves at the bottom of the list, 
get someone else to do them because you're not going to be doing them to a high enough level. So we sort of live off that mantra. But in terms of service, to Spencer's point, we try and ensure that we are always the point of contact for that service delivery. Ian White. But just getting back to the sort of headline of, 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 of today's webinar and sort of listening to a few bits and pieces, there's one thing that Spencer said that resonated and I didn't get across is that whatever you do business argument wise, the customer has to be the central focus. Yes, you've got to check it off against the logistics with your staff and everything else. But the number one thing is, does this improve or not degrade the customer experience at working with us? It has to be customer first then of course you look at the business argument and i was unclear in that and and, and spencer's absolutely humbled me by making sure that he brought me back down to ground with, with the customer side so 100 percent customer number one then it has to be the business argument and then, and then if you can tick off all those things well let's look at this seriously as a real a real opportunity but in, in in terms of the sort of thriving in 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 the current market there will be winners and losers it doesn't matter what happens to transactional volumes or house prices, because those are the only two things that really affect an estate agent. And in reality, uh, a sales estate agent. Let's be honest, house prices don't really affect estate agents too much other than the uncertainty that they create in the marketplace. It's all about transactional volumes. And at the moment, we're not seeing Armageddon. We're not seeing a massive drop off in transactional volumes. That, I know that's the press's mantra, but it's not what's happening. But there are, there are going to be winners and losers. There are going to be people that will fail. And there are going to be people that will succeed and build revenues, build market share, build better businesses, build businesses that are better, better able to deal with the customer's needs and wants. Um, but the simple fact is, is that you've got to understand the behavioral and systematic changes in your business that you need to take advantage of the opportunity. There was no opportunity when the market was on fire because all you could do was deal with what was come at, coming at you changing something reimagining something was very difficult to do over the last couple of years other than the obvious move from physical to zoom for example and things that were forced upon us but now we've got a great opportunity to to, to relook at and distance ourselves from the norm or from other business um and i promise you if the cake shrinks a little bit um Good businesses with good people, good structures, good processes, good suppliers, good outsourcing, whatever you want to call it, or even excellent, great. They will increase market share and fee levels. Um, but but they've got to take their head out of the sand and understand that the person that's going to affect this isn't, it, it's them. It isn't, there's no magical one. You know, the, the business owners need to look at their business and make it fit for the market we're coming into. And the market we're coming into at the moment, as far as I can see, for the minute anyway, is normal. There's nothing Armageddon about it. It's just it's just getting back to the point where an agent needs to be an agent. It's getting back to normality. Um, and, and I think a lot of people are, are, are looking for this excuse. Well, let's blame the mini budget. Yeah, of course, the mini budget was a complete cock up, but it's happened. Forget about it. What are you what are you going to do about it? Oh, interest rates. Forget interest rates. You can't do anything about them. Yeah, you've got to be mindful of them and how they affect your customers' behaviours. But... If you, if you do have the right supplier stack and you do have the right tech stack and you have the right solutions in your business and the right leadership and the right accountability, you will make market share gain and you will make more money. I've certainly made more money as an estate agent when I was doing what Ben and Spencer do when the market turned from boom to normal or more challenging because that's when champions make a difference. It's, it's impossible to make a difference when... The market was like it was the last two years it's coming at you so fast you just deal with what you've got coming at you um now's the time to really take advantage but I think it's, it's great 
it's like Ben said, he was reactive. Now, what I want to do is just go around the room. All of you have run successful businesses during challenging times. I'd like to start with you, Ed, first, is what skill sets could bosses have? You know, we're going into Christmas now. What could they do on a practical level just to take a step back and go, right, this is what I need to do? Because you've been there and done it, you know, not just with one branch, but multiple branches with Douglas and Gordon. What advice would you give man to man, man to woman, running their own estate agency, just right, this is what you need to do this Christmas to get your head in the right place? Well, I, I suspect most people have got their heads in the right place. They're, they're you know, they're, they're they've had they've had to change their mindset a bit so they've had to move away from being reactive and they're just naturally entrenched i think what i would say to people is that there is because of what's happened around and to a lot of people it's happened in in the dark because they haven't seen what's happening behind them over the last two years because they're running around like headless chickens there are opportunities to expand business using some of the tech that's currently available. I'll just give you a very small example. Okay, the reason I set up Viewer was because we just we we just couldn't get enough weekend viewings done. We had eighteen offices, couldn't get them done, and it used to lead to problems. We weren't selling stuff that we could have done. Our weekend staff were hopeless. And what's happened now is we've got people in Spencer's line of business lettings who are doing lettings in areas they never thought of before because they can go and just go online with a simple piece of tech and book someone to go and do it. They can expand, you know, they can go and inspect properties, have have someone go in with a video and walk around and say, look, this, this is the property. You know, instead of doing a management inspection, they can sit at their desk and do it. You know, there are all sorts of technologies from that perspective that will enable you to look way beyond what you think is your traditional patch. And I think there's a huge amount of, of opportunity for people out there if they just looked at the tech of the, the the available options for them to go and expand their areas of business so i would just say to people if they you've got a bit of downtime now between now and christmas look at what you could do for instance if you could treble your patch you know you might not want your staff traveling around but there's no problem now with getting someone to go and do this stuff so look think out of the box so basically your what your advice is is use technology use 2022 to its advantage whilst you've got this downtime to look at what options you have to basically take a bigger piece of the pie, not necessarily in your own yeah. back, somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, Richard makes an, uh, you're, you're ex estate agency though, aren't you, my friend? You're an ex. No, no, no. no. I, I just had it in my head. You were, uh, but again, you've run a business during the downtime. Um, what advice would you give to any business owner when things are getting tough? Cause again, some people just put their head in the sand some people just clear the decks out by just getting rid of all their marketing. You know, what's the worst thing you can do? But, you know, what, what advice would you just give, you know, man to man, man to woman about going into a challenging market? Well, I think for, for anybody running a business over the last two years, it, it, it's been challenging. It's been fluctuating. It's been exciting. It's very difficult to call. Um, I'm firmly of the opinion of deal with the here and now. Um I hear, I've heard a term quite often, reimagine your business. I think there's something in that. Um, but I think in terms of um, people, make sure that the people you have in your business are fit for purpose and the best possible they can be. So that's obviously training, investment, keep them in the business. Uh, I think in terms of business owners, you know, manage it, don't be in it where possible. Um, definitely look... Uh, and, and, and Ed's talked about it, but, you know, for an agent, which I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a, a service provider, I'm not prop tech, but there is a, a raft of things that are just bombarding agents in terms of 
what they could possibly bring in, what they could outsource. But I think in terms of the business, make sure um, where you are is fit for purpose and where possible future-proof. So, I, you know, Ben and Spencer do a lot in-house. I completely agree with that because that's right for their business. There are areas of the business that, that potentially agents could outsource because I think the key um, is driving instructions next year. I'm, I'm with Ian, I'm very positive, but I don't think we can deny that September to October after the, uh, the mini budget, there was a significant reduction. Um, and I think that's probably leveled out and I'm quite excited about, about January. But, you know, uh, businesses on average that may have to absorb in a month a 20, 25% reduction in activity, certainly on the sales side, is challenging. And, and we can't deny that. But I'm part of uh, the Property Academy. Um, I met a number of agents uh, in London at an event and it was marked how excited these agents were about next year and I think that sort of oh. reiterates what Ed said about challenging markets good agents and and these are very good agents and they see massive opportunities next year what I'd like to do now is we've kind of agreed that what anything within the firm itself needs good systems good processes prop tech to help you move it with what Ed said and potentially outsourcing. I'd like to go now to Spencer and Ben to talk about actually the funnel at the top to actually bring more of the pie into it. So Spencer, you're the king of lettings. What are you doing with regard to your marketing to get a bigger slice of the pie to come into your very well-oiled machine? Because again, that's what people want to know. I, I think um, one of the big challenges for most agents, certainly, you know, rentals, London, is you're putting a property live and you're getting 200 inquiries. So um, that's obviously a big problem and your whole team, you know, your consultants are then effectively in a tennis match of communication and frustration. Um, so we let a huge chunk of property off market. So you might see us having 10 properties actively marketed there's a very real reason why we select those properties because they're arranged from studios through to larger properties and we have anything between 60 to 100 off market coming up because i then can ensure the team are focused on the product and not the tennis match and if we can get the product right and ian comes along and he says i really love that two bedroom flat on acacia road I'm really sorry, Ian, you've just missed out on that, but I've, I've listened to what you need and I've got something slightly better coming up three weeks time. Do you want to be the only person in the world to come and have a look at that? And obviously we take the uncertainty out of the move. In terms of how you can improve the business, looking at fees, how do you communicate with your owners? When's the last time you looked at putting fees up? How are you using decimal points within your fees, letting agents tend to go nine or 10 or 11 or nine and a half? If you put 0.5% on your bottom line, what's that going to look like in 12 months time? What service offering are you giving to your owners? Well, you sit around the table and, hey, we're going to do this. Well, go and ask them what they want. Ask them first and then deliver that. And this, and the last thing, I just on this opportunity piece, we always talk about opportunity, opportunity. Actually, the key here is finding the opportunity for your customer base. If you find better opportunities for your customer base, the next one they're going to buy, the next move, 
Hey, Chris, we know that you've been a two bedroom flat in West Hampstead and our data tells us you've been there for 24 months. You're going to move in about six months time. Guess what? We've created a market. We know the type of property that you want to move for. And actually, you just got to be highly, highly analytical about it. And this whole, from my perspective, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm a minnow. I've never done residential sales. I'm in the lowly world of lettings and management, and I love it. Um, but the reality is, this whole thing about market and seasonality and it's quiet, that, that just is, is there's swear words in our office. It's just, it's a mindset. You've got to just, whatever the market is, the market adjust around that market adjust around the consumer base because otherwise you start the year knowing hey guys just so you know we're going to have a big undulation of emotion here we're going to have some great times and bad times what a bad way to start the year just say hey the market's going to change but we're going to change with it and we're going to change ahead of it because we know what our consumers want because we talk to them i hope that makes sense fantastic answer but you didn't answer the question um how are you going to get more landlords <laughs> How are we going to get? Well, it's very simple. You, if if the, the, it's the it's the magic bullet, isn't it? Everyone says we want more owners. Well, how many of your owners are currently have an appetite to buy another one? Uh, okay, so if you've got a thousand owners and half of them buy a property next year, that's 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 pretty pleasing. And how many of your owners are thinking of selling next year? How many agents know that? Well, what about if you say, you know should we have a conversation with you before you move? What, how many agents are looking at want to be buy to let owners? So where are you advertising that? Hey, you know, Ed wants to buy a property next year. Who is targeting specifically those people? Where is the education piece around that? So the actual, how do you get more owners? Well, if you look at that three or four day period where, you know, Ben has a property that's on the market. And even if the owner is disgruntled with Ben, I know they wouldn't be, but sorry, Ben, just using your <laughs> example. Then my, my size of opportunity is three or four days to get there. I'm not going to be able to get my foot in the door. What I know is over a period of time, agents are going to take their foot off the gas. And while they're managing a property, that's the time where I can get them to move. So how do I move in an active tenancy? Are you self-managing? We could do this for you. Are you currently managing? Does it look like this? Well, if it doesn't, we'll go out and do a free property MOT. We'll just get in the door. Absolutely bang on. Boys and girls, get yourself over to Good Lord. And I did a podcast about six months ago how rising inflation will actually help buy to let landlords make more money. So do check that out. Okay, let's go to Ben. Uh, marketing, how are you attracting landlords and vendors to your agency? And then we will go to uh, you, Ian, to see what your boys and girls out there are doing as well, because they're growing market share as well. Ben. So, um, yeah, I, I think I probably secretly live in Spencer's camp, having been a lettings agent for the vast majority of my entire agency career. You're coming out the closet now. He's coming out, I'm the, out closet. the closet. I'm there. there. You. <laughs> you know, actually, what you can't tell is if Spencer opens up that door, I'm, I'm behind that door. Um, <laughs> we're in the same room. Um, no, the truth is, yeah, I think um, the analytical approach to, to service, to um, reviewing what works and how to grow a business and taking that with the customer at the center of it, absolutely. And I think letting agents, you know, estate agents watching this are gonna hate me, but I think letting agents have the upper hand, especially if they move over to sales. But anyway, I'll move on. Um, the, um, we have a, a really simple mantra every, every day. Our mantra is our, we're here to create opportunities and then justify our position. Of course, we're here to sell homes, but as a business, as a business structure, how many opportunities can we create? And then 
it's our job to justify a position, whatever that might be. It might be justify an MA, it might be justify a fee, it might be justify why this is a great property for you to move forward with or the offer or getting to the exchange rate, whatever it might be. In 2023, we think that translates as two things. It's comms and comms, communications and commissions. They're the two areas that I think 2023 is going to be really important for any business owner in this world. So from a, a communications perspective, I um, we try and communicate more with um, on-market properties and actually off-market properties than anyone else in our local area. I think this year is going to be about expertise, going to be about education, about exposure. So if we're in an expertise market, you need to bring that expertise, you need to educate. And I'm talking maybe internal, but I'm also talking about the wider market. If you can educate them and expose that education to a wide audience, you create more opportunities. A question I've asked a lot of people recently, if and uh, anyone listening to this, just run this in your head for 30 seconds. The last 10 instructions your business took on, how many lead sources did they come from? And so my definition for a lead source in this instance, which is not absolutely perfect, is the last touch point with the brand that was the trigger for them to call you or email you. I appreciate they might get a flyer, they might see a board, they might walk past your office every day. What's the last thing that made you make that phone call? So I've done this with 150 people. Some people have only got two lead sources for 10 instructions and the risk there for their business, for me, is absolutely massive. Because if one of those lead sources turns off, you're in trouble. So I think you need to increase your lead sources. Um, to Spencer's point about people that might want to buy more properties, for every 26 buyers sitting on your database, right, sorry, for every 40 buyers on your database, 26 of them own a property. So if you need more opportunity, it's in your database right now. If they are looking to buy, you know, it might not necessarily be in the local area. You might not be able to service them. It might be a buy-to-let property. It might be an international. But 26 out of 40 people own a property. Um, what, kind of pick the phone up to people and build relationships? Well, I think communications, 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 whether it's email, whether it's social media, whether it's knocking on the door and saying hello and literally just introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Ben from Finding Country. I'm doing a valuation down the road next Wednesday. I just want to see if anyone else on the road fancies an up-to-date valuation on their property. This is old school stuff, but we do two roads every single day and we are we're building our credibility within the local community. Um you get out of that closet. I tell you what, because you're out already. I tell you, you've been you've been spending too much time. I'll tell you what, Spencer so. opens that door, but you're gonna just see the back of my head. Um, but I honestly think that the more you can communicate with your market, the more opportunity you create. I think training, coaching, I think learning obsessively from other areas of the industry. So I, I'm obsessed with North America at the moment and the way that they prospect and the way that they generate business. I think they've got so many, uh, so much more engagement with that approach. Um, I think actually we've got a lot more skill in the UK, but I love their tenacity. And so we learn from different areas of the world. And I would, if you've only got a few lead sources, social is a lead source. Um, yeah, because you're big on video, source. aren't you? Your prospecting massive. is a lead source. I'm telling you this. There's, we have seven or eight genuine lead sources, and we work all of them every single day. And if you're used to just, you know, they're coming at us, it's time to get out there. Also, sorry, seventh of December, you've got two weeks to get extraordinary results. Get out there and talk to people that have been on the market for 10, 12, 14 weeks because the world is changing that 12-week period and they need a new opportunity. You are that opportunity for them to sell in January. There are so many great conversations happening right now between our team and on-market properties. And, you know, yeah, really well-trained team. They care about what they do. But anyone could be doing this stuff. It just requires, you know, getting out there and getting stuck in. Let's go to King of Berkshire himself, Ian White. What have you got to add to this? I think from a marketing perspective, what I see between the, the the makers and shakers and maybe the rest is is simply two things that one, they build individual brands 
by the people underneath the umbrella, whatever brand that may be, whether that be uh, self-employed model in, in the way that Ben would operate under fine. So I think, I think they have a focus on the person uh, and I think they consistently put out their expertise rather than necessarily they demonstrate their expertise through their marketing. Those, those two things on a very simple level tend to disassociate the, the norm from, from, from the elite. Of course, there's lots of other facets of marketing if you sell a property or you get a property on and how to how to market a property and all that sort of stuff. But generally speaking, if you look between those gaining market share versus those lose market share, they understand the personality of the individual and they put that out there. They build TV personalities within their communities and they constantly evidence their expertise for selling or letting uh, or remortgaging or whatever it might be that the client needs. They constantly drip that out through various channels not just one it's, it's a it's a mixture of, of uh, things that they use okay uh, ed i bet you wish you were going in i bet you were back at back at the helm in 2009 in douglas and gordon going into this sort of market with the power of outsourcing and the tech what do, what have you seen out there in the big wider world that's impressed you agent wise with regard to the way they're operating well i think it's the um and I think that just about encompasses both Ben and Spencer here, the younger agents, the ones who are looking at things in a much more progressive way. I think the problem that state agencies had, and I'm not being rude to anyone that's listening to this or watching it because I was in a state, I've been in a state agency since 1979. So I really, I know how this works, but most of the state agencies are run by middle-aged men like me who haven't changed their systems for years and just do things the same way and think things will just continue. And they won't because your consuming public, your buyers and your tenants are changing expectations and you have to learn to match those expectations. So that's what I've learned. I, I would have learned to look at the journey that are my cut my customers. So and often that can be very difficult for estate agents because, of course, they tend to look at sellers and they oh, well, sellers pay us. Therefore, they're the ones we must look after. But actually, the buyers are the ones that will come and then stay if they have a good journey. And I think things can be adjusted with everything that's around us to make their journey much better. Good stuff. Let's go to Ian White. Uh, just one thing that I also, just a strategy that has never failed to produce an upturn, regardless of market. It's an easy one to suggest. It's a difficult one from a mindset to do. But, but if, if you are, if you literally demote yourself as a business owner or a senior and everybody within it does the task that they used to do two or three years ago, and you push people down and then either repurpose the people at the bottom or use technology to fill it. What you're doing is creating a higher skill level for each of the tasks that needs to take place. And in reality, what happens is, is that always creates a, uh, it, it will either stop a downturn or it will create an upturn. Now, of course, the biggest issue with this, the business owners don't want to do it. And I'm talking about small businesses. You can't do it if you're a massive big corporate and you're a CEO of, 500 offices, you know, God forbid my old business, Peter Cavan is not going to start listing properties. That isn't, that's not realistic. But if you are a two or three office business and you run your business day to day and you don't, you choose not to work weekends and you choose to turn up at 11 o'clock in the morning and go home at four o'clock in the afternoon, maybe you should go back in and be for the next period of time, that stabilizing calm influence that goes and, and maybe the person that does the job that you've now taken can go and do the, the relationship building with your buyers and sellers and your process. And maybe, Whenever we've done that and, and people have heeded the advice and been able to take that mental step of going back one, we have always seen an increase in turnover and figures, always. Um, so regardless of whether we're affected by a silly budget or COVID or recession or 
mismanagement in the economy, interest rates. That has always worked as a strategy, always. There's going to have to be a lot of egos left on the shelf there. Let's go to Richard Mixon. This is more as an observation. I've just enjoyed listening. But um, Ben, whatever coffee you're on, I want some of it. Um, <laughs> but in, just in terms of the, the passion that Ben and Spencer have about their businesses, you know, as business owners, enthusiasm, passion, but behind that, understanding what their customer wants, data, analytical, delivering a customer journey by engaging with the customer. You know, b- b- business owners, I'm going to take a lot from this. Uh, it's not just about leading from the front, but it's a mindset. Um, and what Ben said, it just is so engaging and it's all through his passion and what he feels about his business. And how, how can people in his business not follow that and take that as a brilliant example? Sorry to flatter you, Ben, but I just I, thought I'd say I mean, I, I've, genuinely sa- I've genuinely said that these two, I've interviewed both of these guys and they, they have two extremely good uh, attributes, which is they are hungry, yet they are humble. And yes. they, they are confident, but they're not egotistical. And I think an awful lot of agents could learn an awful lot from these guys. Okay, what I want to do is now just start to, just to round things up. Um, I think if I could just conclude very concisely, great marketing from the front, just going to bring a greater using technology and systems, make sure that the people within the business, it's more of a relationship based system than a, than a transactional base, and then just get the stuff through, use the power of outsourcing. But more importantly, as Ian rightly says, it really, the book stops with the boss. You can't blame the, the staff, the colleagues, you can't blame anyone else. You can't blame the, the it all comes down to you. Right. I want to go quickly around the room and see what your biggest takeaway from today's been. I'm going to start with Ed Mead. Ed, biggest takeaway from today. Um, well, the word I've heard, which I've liked most actually was from Richard, which was reimagine your business. Be prepared to, to, to look at things you wouldn't have normally. And that applies to me particularly because I'm a I'm one of the old farts I was talking about earlier. So I need, you know, people need to take themselves out of that mindset and look, reimagine your business. Look at what's possible. Thank you very much. You're not an old fart. Don't worry. Okay, let's go to Richard Megson. Um, there's been lots, um, but I, I, I was struck by what Spencer said about seasonality um, because we all get sort of you sort of sleepwalk into that mindset. So. I uh, completely agree with that. Um, I think f- for us, in terms of our business, customer journey, front and centre of everything that we do. Good stuff. Spencer? I think that successful businesses are completely dependent on the happiness of their customer. And it's as simple as that. Good Spend some time there. Good. Let's go to let's go to Ben Madden. Um, yeah, I guess everything everyone has just said. Um, I'm I'm quite obsessive around language, and sometimes I know my team look at me like you're an absolute nutter. Are you really that worried about us tweaking the language that much? And I think I think it's hugely important. I think over the next 24 months, everyone's going to have to get quite comfortable with the uncomfortable because there are going to be some difficult conversations around getting ahead of the curve in terms of what the market's doing and maybe what the prices are doing. And yet, really, what I'm taking away is Spencer's use of language and his detail around language that fits with what you're trying to achieve, as opposed to what your internal bias tells you you should have said 10 years ago. I really like, I mean, we're obsessive prospectors. 
but actually, you know, that client relationship piece, which is really all you're doing when we prospect, we don't expect to do business in the next seven days. We're putting a call in to see how life is. And, you know, remember we're here and see how you're getting on. And in six months or 10 years, maybe something will happen. And yeah, I, I really like that correct yeah. use of language for really what the activity is. Obsessive business uh, relationship building. Love that. I'm going to take that one away. Let's leave the final word to Ian White. Ian, bring us all together. Take us home, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure. I, 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 I think I think it's really um, if you put everything that everybody has said is that you can wake up in the morning and focus on the problems if you choose. But there's lots of different solutions. Putting your customer first. You know, happy customers means a happy business. I get that. You know. Um, all the things that Ben has said, it's about focusing on the solutions because they are much more exciting. They are much more empowering. If you wake up every day, your mental strength will just get zapped if all you think about is the problems. Of course there are problems and there'll be problems tomorrow and there'll be problems next day. When these problems are solved, I promise you there'll be more problems coming at you. However, there will be solutions. And those solutions are where you need to be. And these guys have come up with loads of things. Watch the tape, you know, whoever's going to be, be, be looking at this. Have a look back at it and focus on what solutions you can put into your business to make a difference. Um, uh, the only thing I would say, and I don't know whether you might, you might have to cut this, Spencer, there's one business that's definitely flouted happy customers means happy, and that's right mood. I don't know how they do it, but they have a brilliant business, but no one's happy with it, or very few people are happy with them. But in general terms, of course, the normal rules of business are happy. But I also think I'd add to that happy staff, um, I think, create for, for a good business as well. So I think, yes, your customers have got to be happy, but, but, but so, so, so have the team. Um, well, focus on solutions. Focus we'll on keep solutions. That, we'll keep that one in. I just call it the right move tax. It's just part of doing being business in a state in UK estate agency. I just want to say thank you to one and all on being here. This has been powered by Richard Megson from ASAP. He has not been paid to do this. He just says, Chris, can we organize this? And we got these merry gang together. Sorry, the two ladies that were going to be on this call couldn't be on it. And hopefully we can do another one in the new uh, in Q1. Thank you, though, finally, to you watching this or listening to this on the podcast. 2023 is going to be a challenging year, but really the buck stops with you as the boss. It's all about your mindset. Listen to what these guys have got to say. I know for a fact that every single person on this call, if you are connected upon LinkedIn, you'll pick the if you pick the phone up and say, can I have 10 minutes of your time to pick your brain? I know for a fact, I'm putting words in their mouth here, they will be more than happy to give you 10, even 15 minutes of their valuable time just to talk to them, to talk to you, to guide and support you. So you're not alone. You're on your own, but you're not alone. It's going to be a challenging 2023, but it's all about what goes it between these two is how you deal with it. And if I if I had a pound for every time that someone sat on the Watkins sofa who said that the, the, the 2008, 2009 recession was the best thing that happened to their estate agency, then it can happen to you if 2023, 2024 is going to be challenging. It is going to be challenging. But if you go with the right mindset, you'll win. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for attending. And uh, we'll leave you in peace. <laughs>